Hello and welcome to the Stuck Brain Podcast. All things mental health with a different approach. We look at the research, but we also discuss real life experience. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Stuck Brain Podcast. My name is Eric. I am your host for the day. Today we have a guest named Dave Dubois. He is a meditation teacher, a psychedelic guide, and an integration coach. You can find out more about Dave at his website, which is radicalbalance.net. Now, he is helping me set up my own meditation practice. We are going to go over the small things that stop most of us from meditating. And we know through research, meditation is really beneficial for almost everybody. So this is important to me, and it's important to mental health in general. If you're now joining us and you haven't listened to episode one, two, three, or four, please listen to those first before continuing this episode. With that being said, on to the next episode. In the last episode, Dave and I talked about bringing meditation labeling technique and other parts of meditation outside of the meditation practice. So I tried to do that in this week's episode, and I recorded myself on a walk trying to label what I was thinking and bring it back to the present. So that's what you're going to hear next is recording of me. It's outside. You'll hear some huffing and puffing because I'm walking at a pretty fast pace for myself and just talking about how I'm trying to bring my meditation practice outside of the actual meditation itself. So here I am outside going for a walk. I'm on my iPhone recording this. So sorry about the recording. Um, I am trying to do what Dave says and even outside of meditation, label my thoughts when I'm thinking. Um, and I find it helping because even just walking, I'm randomly perpetually stuck in my head and trying to bring it back to the body. So when I notice I'm often thought, I will label it thinking and then go back to how it feels in the body as I'm walking. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Good. Very good. I would love to just at this point kind of recap what we talked about last week and use that as a way of checking in on what your experience has been like over the last week. Yeah, I would like that to kind of go over what we talked about last week for our listeners. So one thing just to, to get a mechanical piece out of the way is you were staying at eight minutes over the course of this week. So that's one thing that we can check in on is, is how that felt. And we also reintroduced or or checked in with the idea of being crisp and diligent about checking in with your intention at the beginning of the session. And so I want to talk a little bit about how that went. And then you're sticking with the labeling technique, which I don't even know that there's all that much to talk about because that's just a simple technique. But I, I introduced a new technique for getting closer to the feelings of the breathing that you're working with as your object. Mm -hmm. And we talked about having the different parts of the breath that you're paying attention to. And so we'll check in on how that's going and, and then we'll add a little bit more this week. How's, how's that all sound? That sounds great. So let's talk about the eight minutes. I yeah. think the eight minutes is perfect for right now. Great. I think it's still good. I'm growing into the eight minutes because there was still a couple times where I remember actually 
opening my eyes and go, did I end it? And I look down and it's still going. So I think I'll stay with eight. I feel like that's a good spot still to this day. The naming, actually, there there's a little bit to talk about on that one. You're talking about the labeling? Labeling. Thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah. The labeling. I started, I like that technique and I even started to do that outside of my window uh, of meditation. Uh, so, and I recorded a little bit of me. I was on a walk and I was stuck in a lot of thoughts and, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to start labeling thinking. And then I would go back to, as I was walking, I would go into like, how do my feet feel? And what do my legs feel? And what do I, and try to bring it more back to the body. So the labeling I've taken outside of meditation window. So that, that's been pretty cool. And then the breathing thing, the, you know, the breath in, the pause, the breath out, the pause. I have a visual representation of that in my mind, and I'll try to explain it to you. And it's going to be kind of a little off, but do you remember those Simon Says light up games that we used to have? I do. I'm the right age to remember those. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Younger listeners are probably not going to remember that. You're going to have to Google that and look into that. But that's what I picture. So you know how it was like yellow, red, blue, green, whatever. I, I picture the as I'm breathing in, I'm one's lighting up. As I'm pausing, one's lighting up. As I'm exhaling, one's. And that was the visual image that I tried to flow with because I'm yeah. a pretty visual person. That seemed to help. I did have to add in counting here and there. Like sometimes my monkey mind sure. was so much that I was like, okay, use that aid. So I'd add the counting and. And I wouldn't really care if I went to 10 or 11 or three. Sometimes I would just do one, two, one, two, like I would forget where I'm at. So I still bring in that occasionally to kind of help. Yeah. But overall, it's going yeah. pretty well. This sounds excellent. I want to I wanna make a couple observations. Yeah. One other thing that we talked about last week that I actually forgot to mention in the recap at the beginning was right at the end, we talked about carrying your practice beyond just your formal practice on the cushion and you're mentioning that you're starting to use the labeling technique outside of the formal meditation in the post-meditation experience, that just sounds great. And I just want to name that and applaud that because that's really, really good and a natural extension of the practice. So that's great. Thank you. Yeah, that's helped quite a bit, like even on the walk-in and and I'm starting to apply it to other parts of, the, of my experience as well. Yeah. Great. And then I also just want to call out that it sounds like you are using the imaginative faculties of your mind in support of what you're doing, that that kind of visualized four parts of the breathing that that you see almost in that light up Simon says circular configuration. That seems to me like such a great natural adaptation in support of furthering focus and calm that you're cultivating in this meditation practice. And one of the things that I coach people in all the time is making the meditation practice your own, finding the thing that is going to work for you and letting go of the thing that's not going to work for you. And what you just named sounds like a beautiful, natural adaptation to the practice that you brought in. We tried that zoning in technique and that didn't work. And so you let go of that. And then you found this imaginative, it's like a, it's like a very simple visualization that you're using. And I think it's great. So I just want to applaud that as well. 
Well, thank you. I wanted to ask you that. Is that a good way to go about it or not? So I'm glad that you touched on that. And that just came to me. It was just the visual image that popped in my mind. And it seems to help create focus on that instead of the racing thought. Yeah. Two principles to just call out right here for, for people who are listening along to our conversation. One important principle that is kind of implicit last week, but I'll just name it explicitly now. Different people of different personalities and different bodies and different minds will connect with certain techniques and not with others. Certain techniques will resonate and totally click, and others will just feel forced and unhelpful and clunky. And I think an important principle is to adopt what works and let go of what doesn't and iterate to at appropriate intervals to add new things to, to find out what works. But the main principle here is not everything is going to work for every person. And it's important to assemble the set of supports and techniques that you personally need. And that's one of the reasons why working with a meditation coach can be really advantageous, that level of responsiveness. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, I think you've said this before in other episodes, the best thing is the thing that you're going to do, right? <laughs> if, if I'm not going to yeah. do it, then it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And I'm just kind of letting it unfold naturally. So I, I think that's a good approach as well. Yeah. And then the other principle that I'll just highlight here, which we've mentioned before, is that finding something that works like this four-part visualization or imagination that you have of, of the breathing, like any other support, it will work and aid you for a time. And then at some point it will probably become stale and unnecessary. And, and at that point to hold on to it would not be, it, it wouldn't be adding anything. It could even be getting in the way of the, the experience of the freshness of the present moment. So at some point you probably naturally won't need that four-part visualization and it's really great to let it go at that point. It's like each time you do this, you're kind of swimming more out into open waters of, of meditation with less, you know, fewer flippers and fins and flotation devices and things like that. Okay. When, when would I know that? Like, would, is that just something I would know internally or is there like signs and symptoms of when is this getting in the way? That's a great question. It's obvious it's, it's going to be different for every technique that you introduce. But when I think about what feels common to all of them is at some point it feels like what you're doing is more contrived than it needs to be. That you're, you're bringing something along that you don't actually need for the experience. And that it just feels like, oh, this is actually more effort to do this technique than I need to be present or calm right now. And then you just let it go. Before it felt like you couldn't stay afloat swimming without the thing. And now it feels like, oh, this thing's just slowing me down. It's in my way. So I'm going to let it go. Got it. Got it. And I'll kind of know that over time. And, and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll look out for that. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that. I, I have a feeling that's going to take some time though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's no particular time frame. I would, I would expect it to just happen naturally at some point. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. And the eight minutes, is that usually average where people are at? Am I still on the right kind of trajectory or? 
it's an interesting question. I, I think my my impressions of this to some degree are are anecdotal as opposed to truly based in data. But here's what I'll say. You've been rebooting this practice for a little over a month. If somebody who was just starting up a practice at the at five, four or five weeks was telling me that they were practicing 10 minutes every day, I, I think that that's phenomenal and maybe even above average. So the fact that this is just a little bit less than that feels perfect to me still. It's you haven't had a a moment that you've told me about where you actually just out of restlessness or boredom jumped up at four or five minutes and abandoned the session. So that makes me think that eight's not too long and you're getting to every you're you're making it to the cushion each day. So I'd leave it at eight for right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't feel overwhelming. Yeah, great. The the one thing that you could experiment with, don't go looking for it, but if it naturally comes up, let it come up. If someday that final bell rings at the eight minute mark and you just feel like you're settled in, like you're just, you're in the practice and, and you feel well, sit there for another two minutes practicing. Let the practice go a little bit longer before you get up. But, you know, don't, don't, don't aim for that. Don't strive for that. Just see if that happens to naturally come up at some point. Favor that versus changing the duration this coming week. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. And I have been taking my time coming out of it. I don't just pop up and run and go do my stuff. I do kind of sit there, but I, you know, I start to try to slowly transition out. It doesn't always happen that day. Like the other day I got up, I got up for work and I was in autopilot and I almost forgot to meditate. I was in the shower and I was getting all ready. And then all of a sudden I was like, I, this would be the first day I miss, you know, and I had plenty of time. So I sat down and I did it. It did feel a little bit more rushed at the end, but I still try to transition getting out of there. That sounds great. That's great practice of the thing we talked about at the end of the last episode of really noticing what's different in the post-meditation experience, having even just spent this short amount of time tuning into the present moment, what do you notice? How do you carry it forward? And can you transition into, like you said, on your walk the other day, recognizing that you were lost in thought, labeling that and coming back to the sensations of just walking, that that all sounds, this sounds like really great post-meditation engagement. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely made me aware of how much I'm up in my head, right? Just labeling it, starting to just try to notice it because before I wasn't even noticing it. So I'd be in my walks and I'd be in outer space for all of the walk. And now I'm like, oh, I, now I'm aware that it's happening so often and I can change it. Yeah. Good. Good. Well, do you want to talk about what I think is the next step and the next thing to add in this process? Absolutely. Let's dive in. Great. This all feels to me and sounds to me like it's going beautifully. And I don't know if you can sense this, but there has been a progression that we've been going through together with this instruction where it's going more and more from the outer details of the logistics and putting this together and finding the right space and the right cushions and the right posture and the right technique and the right timing to getting more and more focused on what's actually happening in the present moment. We're, we're going more from the container of the meditation practice to the contents of the actual meditation session. And this next piece that I would introduce is a part of the meditation practice that is called tightening and loosening. 
Okay. And this is really starting to get into directly interacting with the state of your mind and discovering and responding to the state of your mind in the meditation practice. There is an emphasis on the middle way within the Buddhist tradition in general, and a lot of Buddhist meditation encompasses aspects of the middle way. And what we're talking about with tightening and loosening is finding the middle way between effort and relaxation in the practice. Okay. You used the word last week when we were talking, you used the word forced at one point. You said, I feel like I really have to force it to pay attention to the sensations of breathing. Mm -hmm. And I think another word that we could use there is effort. Okay. That you are, you're, you're encountering this experience that feels like it's effortful to pay attention to and focus on the breathing. Yeah. And so what I want to teach you is a, a technique called tightening and loosening for starting to discover what is the balance between too tight, too loose, and how do you overcome the, the main obstacles that start to arise in the practice around being too excited or being too dull and lethargic? Okay. So... I'll say that for most people in American culture, relaxation and loosening is almost always the first bias that you're, that you're working on correcting. That's not to say that there aren't some people who, for various reasons, physiologically and cognitively, that dullness and lethargy may be more of a problem than, than excitation. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, the counterintuitive move to make when you're noticing, especially when you're noticing monkey mind, is that the natural, the inclination is to tighten up at that point, but the actual response to work with is one of loosening. Okay. So let me say a little bit what this means. I, I, I see your face tracking what I'm saying yeah. and kind of trying to find the anchor here. So let me, that was all maybe abstract. Let me get more specific. So what are signs of agitation or signs of, of being too excited or wound up inside of the practice? One of them is monkey mind, a restlessness that it seems like even though you're trying to pay attention to something simple like the breathing in the moment, mm -hmm. your mind is racing all over the place. And moreover, that racing mind is causing you to forget what you're doing in the meditation practice and just start thinking and start following thoughts basically. Yeah. Another way that you might notice agitation or being too excited in the practice is that you notice that your body is tight or achy, that it feels like there's a certain forced rigidity or stiffness to okay. your body while you're engaged in the practice. And, and in general, that there's a feeling of effort or strain or something forced okay. is going. So in this case, in, in any of those cases, the recommendation is that you're going to want to try loosening your effort and loosening the way that you're engaging the practice. And so there are a few different ways to do this. Okay. 
One is, well, let me say at the highest level, we've talked about attention and peripheral awareness mm -hmm. throughout the instruction, right? Yeah. Tell me your understandings of attention and peripheral awareness quickly. I think of the egg on the spoon and then the walking is the peripheral, the focus is the egg on the spoon. Is that right? Yeah, okay. that's right. So, so applied to the feelings of breathing, the attention would be tuning into the details of what you're feeling in your body while you're breathing. And the peripheral awareness would be, is my attention on the breathing right now? Or has it gotten hooked by some thought? Or are, is there thinking in the background that is a risk for losing attention right now? Absolutely. So in my own practice, I think about shifting my weight almost between attention and peripheral awareness, where it's usually not the case that, that all of my effort is in one and all of it is in the other, but it, that it's some mixture or some balance of how much am I paying attention and how much am I being vigilant with peripheral awareness to understand how focused or non-focused I am? Okay. So when we're talking about tightening and loosening, it's really a matter of becoming familiar with how to change and regulate and shift the balance between how much you're paying attention, how much you're kind of engaging with effort, and how much you are loosening or relying more on, on awareness to, to maintain your focus. And I'll talk about a few different ways to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Let me kind of repeat this back to you to make sure I'm on the same page. So let's do the egg on the spoon and the peripheral awareness analogy, because that one works for my brain. Yeah. So are you kind of saying sometimes I have to really force it on that egg, my attention? And you're kind of saying that I don't have to force it so much. I can be a little bit looser with that, right? Is that right. what I'm getting? Okay. That's right. More, more, yes, loose and relaxed. Forgiving. The way, yeah, forgiving, gentle. Okay. All, all these words are, are, are helpful to point out the direction that, that you're overcoming a desire to, oh, I'm getting scattered and I'm, and I'm getting distracted. I'm going to try even harder to pay attention to the breathing. I'm going to really, I'm going to really focus and make it one pointed that, that actually this is encouragement to go in the opposite direction than that. Got it. Got it. So now, now I'm on the same page. Now I get yeah. what you're saying. Okay, good. So that confused look is now gone. All right. All right. <laughs> so here's one of the ways, here's one of the first things that I recommend in a moment where you detect, Ooh, I think I'm a little, I think the practice is a little tight right now. And I want to loosen is that I would recommend a technique called a relaxation scan. Okay. And what this is, is just scanning through the body from the top of the head down to the legs and anywhere that you discover tension or a feeling of tightness, just see if you can loosen in that spot. Oh, I'm noticing my shoulders are a little hiked up and a little tense. Let me just relax those shoulders on the next out breath and let them fall. And then okay. further scanning down. Ooh, I'm noticing some, some tightness in my gut right now. I wonder if I can actually relax my stomach muscles without slouching in some way and just be a little bit 
more gentle there. And so that's one step that you can do is to just scan the body and see any place that you can release or loosen tension and be kind to yourself if you find some place where you can't do that. Okay. So I'll repeat this back to make sure I, I understand it. Let's go to the egg, the egg analogy. Cause I just like that. That just works yeah. with my brain. So if I find myself stressing on holding that spoon in that egg and I'm super hyper-focused and I'm really trying to make my attention on that egg and it's becoming forced, then I can kind of start to let that go, give myself a little bit more forgiveness and then do a body scan and say, okay, I can let my, I can let my shoulders drop. The, the egg's still going to be there. It's still going to be on the spoon, but I don't have to be so intense about it. Yeah, kind that's of, right. Is that the right feeling? Yes. If we were to fully use the analogy of the egg and the spoon, what I'm suggesting is happening a lot of the time is that you're walking through the room, you've got the egg on the spoon, you're paying attention to the egg, but you're bumping into stuff here and there. You're mm. walking into a desk, you're bumping into a counter, and that the mistake that's being made is you're like, oh, I'm bumping into stuff. I got to pay closer attention to this egg. And that what I'm saying is, yeah, actually, you're probably just fine in terms of how much of the egg you've got in your attention right now. How about being a little bit more aware of what you're about to bump into and what's in the room? A little bit less on the egg and a little bit more on the space around you would, would be using that full analogy to describe this. And that, got it. And that, and that the first way I'm, res I'm encouraging you to respond with loosening is just that quick relaxation scan of your body. Okay. And then the next part would be to recognize that your attention, the, the, the part on the egg or the part on the breathing, is it has a certain natural brightness to it. it and it has a natural capacity to perceive the egg or the breathing without having to, to do much. You, you don't have to turn up the intensity of your intention, but you could let it rest gently on the egg or let it rest gently on the breathing. You, you don't have to necessarily tighten up to discover every detail if, if your attention is already contacting those, but I'm recommending a lighter touch on the breathing and a little bit more energy or room or peripheral awareness there. Okay. Okay. I think that's a great, great suggestion because right now I do feel, and I didn't even, as you're talking, I'm thinking about this and, and I do feel that I am trying to super force it on the breath and almost unforgiving, like, oh, Eric, get back to the breath. Oh, Eric, get back to the breath. You can do this like a hyper focus, really trying to force it. I now know what you're talking about and I will, I will do these steps to kind of loosen that which might actually make me even enjoy it a little bit more to, yeah. you know, instead of being so hard on myself That's right. with it. Yeah. Okay. And then there's a third thing that you can do when you're practicing loosening, which is just tuning into the natural cadence of your breathing. Your breathing is happening automatically without you needing to do anything about it. And the sensations of your breathing are there to be noticed. So almost like if you were sitting on on a shore somewhere and there were just waves coming in that you were noticing, 
just noticing the natural cadence of your breathing and just letting that be ordinary, nothing special. That's the third way that you can work with loosening. All right. So it sounds like I got a, a lot of homework for this next week. Good, positive homework. I think it's in the right, right spot right now. That's right. So I'll do the relaxation. Yeah, I'll do all three of these techniques. Now, do you want me to do them all at once or is it the same thing where I kind of chunk them in? Yeah, I, I think that chunking them as you describe them, practicing them one at a time to kind of get familiar with them is a great idea. And then there's another principle to name here that it's come up a couple times implicitly and now we'll name it explicitly. Practice a new technique, introducing it by itself so that you can get to know it. But then at a certain point after a few sessions, you're kind of becoming your own meditation guide where it becomes a question of when to use something and when it's skillful. So at first, you're forcing yourself to use a new technique to learn it and to check it out. But at some point, you're only going to use loosening when loosening seems like it's needed. Ah, I'm really noticing a lot of tension coming up in the body. Let me use some of the loosening techniques around this. It's not like you would, you know, just keep hitting the loosen button all the time, but you, you just use it when, when it's actually needed. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I'll spend a little bit of time in the beginning of my meditation just noticing if I'm getting that forceful feeling and then I'll, I'll add in the loosening techniques. Yeah. Is that kind of correct? That's right. And there's a whole counter, there's a whole set of noticing that you're too loose and adding tightening techniques, but we're not even going to, I'm not even going to go into that this week because I think that you, like most other people are probably experiencing more of the too tight than the too loose. And so this is a, this is enough information for this week and we'll, we'll go over tightening in, in a future episode. Yeah. Let's save that for next week. I, cause I, I already know that's where my issue is. <laughs> I'm focusing really hard and tightening really tight on it. So this will be good. So thanks. Thank you so much for all this. And then we'll meet in another week. Sounds great, Eric. Once again, thank you for listening to our podcast. And those of you that have taken time to leave reviews and contact us through Instagram. Thank you. You can see the show notes at stuckbrainpodcast.com. You can also visit us on Instagram at stuckbrainpodcast and you can leave what topics you want to hear next.